Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh man, oh man, oh man, not again. Yeah, I learned a game from William Wesley, you can never check me. Back to back for the day, then get the message. Back to back like I'm on the cover. Welcome into episode 10 of the Brutally Honest Sports Podcast. My name is Dan Kurtz, and I'm joined by my co-host, the man, the myth, and always a legend, Aaron Riley. Back-to-back episodes here for the listeners. We dropped yesterday, obviously. They're dropping today to take you all into your weekends. Like we said, we're committed to dropping two shows a week. We'd like to get them out on somewhat of a regular schedule, but sometimes life gets in the way. Contrary to what the tabloids are saying, we don't do this for a living. We don't podcast for a living, but are always committed to our loyal listeners nonetheless. Yep. As far as, you know, we just got a late start this week, but uh, bringing it to you twice in a matter of, of really just a couple days span. So those that waited are getting rewarded for it. Those that uh, forgot about us, you know, I guess we're better without you. I hope you all enjoyed uh, a little bit of the Drake uh, leading us into this episode, a little Drake back-to-back action. I know Aaron's a fan. Uh, typically, I would I would throw on a nice guitar riff to start the episode, get you going. I feel like that gets my, my veins pumping, gets the blood boiling. Uh, I, I am a fan of hip hop and rap for sure, but I figure going with the you know guitarists to start the show is not a bad idea. But had to go with Drake for this one since we're dropping back to back days. This is how I look at it. If you put Drake in any type of situation, it, he always comes out on top. So I think we have uh, we've got that in common with with that artist. Hey, episode number ten, man, double digits. Um, we didn't let the haters get to us, and somehow got to our tenth show here. Five weeks of podcasting, two shows per week. Five times two, math guy equals 10. Maybe by our 100th episode, we'll get a better audio setup here. I listened back to yesterday's show as I do with every pod because we're grinding away, you know, trying to find, always trying to find new ways to, to improve. I probably represent a third of our audience that way, but I did want to apologize for, for my background noise and feedback last show. I have the mic set up on an upright stationary position here and, um, and Aaron has kindly suggested to, to let me know if, if my audio is fucked up, so. Hopefully one day we can just walk into a studio, record, and walk right out afterwards and don't have to worry about this, but got you got to love the behind-the-scenes work. Yeah, well, as far as, like, the research department and really anybody that's working with us, they haven't done a whole lot, so it's kind of been on Daniel and I, and, and there's certain people that, you know, deserve to be called out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave those people nameless at this point. Cannot continue this way, but uh, that's besides the point. I I think Daniel's one of the most committed people to, uh, you know, pumping a good product out there. And you're only going to see that improve as we go on and, and as we uh, just progress through this process. And one day we'll look back and, and look look at this like a shit show because we'll be a lot better than, than where we're at right now. But 
hey, we're making the best of what we got, and and I enjoy it regardless. Hey, what is life without the journey? <laughs> Alrighty, nope. folks, let's get into it. Let's get after it, and let's take you into your weekend. And now for today's topics. Returning here uh, to the shit show that is the NFL Nation uh, article, if you will. I don't even call it an article. I call it just a clickbait, to be honest. Um, if you missed yesterday's show, we did part one. We did teams one through 20. A uh, little bit of a reminder, the NFL Nation reporters, all 32 of them are doing a four-round 32-team, basically redraft of the NFL. They're, they're doing a 32-team four-round mock draft, if you will. Um, if you recall, we left off on the Eagles, uh, left a little bit of a titillating cliffhanger for the listeners. So we will start off here getting right into it. Philadelphia Eagles, round one. Aaron, did you give it any thought? I mentioned it was a quarterback. Um, did you give it any additional thought? And do you have a guess as to who they selected? Dude, you don't even have to ask me that question. I, I literally got maybe 10 minutes of sleep because of, I was, you know, going back and forth on who they, they might have picked in this first round selection. More uh, sleep than usual. More sleep, you're exactly right on that. I try and condition myself to, to not get any sleep at all because, like, getting, getting sleeps for pussies. Regardless of that, I, I've kind of – I've bounced a couple names around in my head. I, I really don't have a clear indication still at this point. You would think I would. I mean, I've thought about it for probably tw- going on 24 hours straight. Uh, I actually called out of work to, to really think about this. and I, Wow. I just, all of it, you know, just making any sacrifice I can for the show. Love to uh, see no it. No sarcasm, you know, I haven't called out in years, but it was one of those situations where I was like, hey, I, this is more important. This this brings a lot more uh, enjoyment to my life. So regardless of that, I'm kind of just as clueless as I was, you know, about 24 hours ago. All right. Drum roll, please. Uh, round one, pick number 21, the Baker Mayfield. Oh, see, I, I would have never guessed that one. I would have, there were, I was almost thinking like for some reason, like Philip Rivers, I don't really don't know why. Um, if Philip yeah, Rivers was- went anywhere before round four in this draft, I might toss his computer across the across my family room. But Baker Mayfield is the pick. Um, <laughs> 25 years old. Um, Sam Darnold is still younger now um, than Mayfield was when he made his first career NFL start. I always have to throw that little plug in there because I'm not a Mayfield guy. I'm a Darnold guy through and through. Um, Baker Mayfield w- went first. Chase Young, defensive end from the Redskins, went second. Lane Johnson, another homer pick with the Eagles here went third in round three, and then A.J. Brown, wide receiver from the Titans in round four. I like Mayfield. Uh, I think at, at 21, it's pretty good value. Um, a lot of the younger quarterbacks with upside in the next five years um, were already taken. So I like Mayfield here. I like Allen and Darnold probably to go. Probably within the next five to seven picks here, I'm going to make that guess. So uh, I think it's a start of, uh, start of a run on some of those quarterbacks that went in 2018 behind um, obviously, Lamar Jackson went third in this draft. So Chase Young, I think here is obviously betting on upside. I don't like the fact that we're taking players who haven't even seen the field yet, as Aaron mentioned last podcast. But I do think Chase Young is going to be an absolute stud. So I can't really hate that. Lane Johnson, um, I think he's is he a right tackle? Am I getting that correct? Yeah, I'm. I'm almost positive. I know he's he's a hell of an offensive lineman wherever he does play. It's pretty sad that I I don't know that. And you know the the haters and everybody else can pile on here. You know, feel free to, but. Uh, I know multiple-time Pro Bowl selection uh, type of talent. Big dude, obviously, just an absolute force on that line. So I I think you're right in saying that he's a right guard. But I think if he's a right tackle, I I probably would have taken a left tackle here maybe in round three or round four. But I don't really know. You know, this guy, Tim McManus for the Eagles for ESPN, probably had slim pickings when it came to picking an O-lineman. So I can't really hate that. Lane Johnson is a really freaking good player. And 
has been really freaking good the past five or six years. So um, obviously, to be honest, I have no idea how old he is. I just said five to six years to sound like I'm smart. Um, so he could be like 26 and I would have no idea. But uh, A.J. Brown is is decent as well. I think, you know, you need a wide receiver. Maybe, you know, he's probably a tier two guy, or maybe tier three when it comes to top 15, top 20 wide receivers. But I still think it's a decent team nonetheless. Yeah, certainly. I, I almost think if Baker was, was picked by the Eagles, you know, when, when he was drafted, uh, obviously that, that wasn't going to happen because Wentz was, was the, the face of the team. I almost think Baker Mayfield's attitude and the, and the Philly attitude would have went hand in hand. It's kind of like, uh, you know, you flip over to baseball and you, when they bring in Bryce Harper, it kind of, it's just kind of fitting. Um, not to say these guys are complete assholes, but they, they kind of, they, they have extreme passion for, for the sports they play. And I think, uh, you know, alongside the, the Philly mentality of, you know, just win no matter what. And, the blue collar attitude of the entire city. I, I think that almost does make sense. I, I don't have a problem with that. You know, if Baker would, would play bad in, in this type of situation, like in, re, in a real life setting, I think he, you know, I don't know how he'd handle the booze very well. That might not, not go so well because he's, he's kind of the type of guy to, to clap back and, you know, I'll take. And, and things like that. But yeah, playing in Cleveland, you don't get a whole lot of, you know, it's, it's just not the same, but um, yeah, I, I like that pick. I'm actually not that big on the the Chase Young pick. I would have picked. I me personally, I I think where did uh Khalil Mack? He didn't he didn't fall in the strap yet. We haven't said his name yet. Let me scroll down a little bit to see if he was taken. That's I'm telling you, man. I, I've been like high on high high on his uh his talent for quite a while. I, I would have picked him. I would have picked. Uh, there's a couple other people. I I would had no problem with like Brandon Graham or, or Fletcher Cox, even though they're they're current Eagles. Yeah, I I think uh I don't know. Chase Young, he could he could turn out to be a stud. It's just the unknown factor. So that's all. Yeah. Um, breaking news here: Khalil Mack does go in the next few picks. I'm not going to say to who because we'll get there. But um, okay. so taking taking Chase Young in the second round, the guy probably didn't have much. Like I said before, with uh, Lane Johnson and AJ Brown, slim pickings in terms of the defensive side of the football. But maybe a little bit early since it was a snake, and he probably was picking early in round two to do that snake draft. So. Um, are, are you a fan of are, are you a fan of Tim McManus, the Eagles reporter? Are you familiar with his work at all? Just curious. Honestly, I'm not. There there are a couple of Philly guys that I look at as far as uh, there's a guy named Ray Didinger. He's been around the league for God knows his like his entire life. Uh, he's probably in his 60s now, but uh, I think that guy covers the game very well. Obviously, I think Mike Quick. He's a, he's a former Eagle receiver who's now a, a broadcaster for the uh, for the team. Those type of people. I, I'm not really worth. Uh, too familiar with the gentleman you're alluding to. Uh, I don't hate his draft, so I'm not going to totally shit on him. Like, <laughs> like the Jaguars reporter, that guy should probably lose his job. But just <laughs> just for this part of the uh, – for, you know, having the responsibility of, you know, being the interim interim G- GM type of situation and absolutely just laying an egg from what we had talked about. So I'm not, I'm not sure about his work, but, uh, you know – don't hate it. I'm, yeah, I'm always curious just to see how people um, sort of favor their hometown team and, and their ESPN report. For the Jets, the guy's like, I don't know, probably late 60s, uh, similar to the guy you mentioned for the Eagles. He's been around the beat for a long time. He was with, uh, I think, New York Post and New York Daily News at one time. So he's definitely a late bloomer when it comes to ESPN. Uh, but he's like horrible with Twitter. He's in that generation that just obviously didn't grow up with social media. So he'll tweet like probably once a week and shit like that when I'm trying to get – when I'm trying to get Jets news on the reg. So 
he's a little bit of an, an annoying um, Twitter follow, but he's a great writer nonetheless, so I can't really be too pissed at him. Uh, moving on here to the Buffalo Bills, uh, round one, pick number 22. They go with Michael Thomas. Arguably, uh, I think, you know, what top five wide receiver, maybe top three, maybe top two, um, and not two. That one, that might be a hot take, but with Slim Pickens here at quarterback, I mean, I would have probably looked at Sam Darnold. But round two, pick number 43, they get Josh Allen. So, yet another homer pick uh, to, to go with this draft. Round three, Matt Judon, outside linebacker. I think he's on the Ravens now, coming over from Denver. And round four for the Bills, Micah Hyde, safety. Thomas and Allen, I think, um, would be a pretty decent matchup since Allen can throw it a million miles an hour and throw it miles and miles long. And, and Thomas is obviously one of the best wide receivers in the league. But some people think that I've seen some hate recently on Twitter from or for Michael Thomas, some hate against Michael Thomas. I don't know if it's because he's been passes from Drew Brees for the past, you know, four or five years, however long he's been in the league. But I do think he's a, a great receiver in his own right. Yeah, I don't know as far as if I if I bring up the name Marcus Colston, if you remember that one. Oh yeah. But I, th- I, had, I, him, I had him on fantasy like every year. I, I just knew he was going to put up points. Uh, that's a wise decision right there. You're, you're talking to a, a fantasy champion when you when you mention the name Daniel Kurtz. That's just that comes with the territory. I did win uh, my fantasy league last year. That's uh, not a brag. Actually, I guess it's not a humble brag. It's a straight up brag. So straight facts only. Facts only with the you know the, with the 100 emoji next to it. No, we're, I I compare uh, Michael Thomas. He's he's like it was kind of like Colston. I don't you know hasn't played. For, I don't think he's played for a few years now. If I'm if I'm you know you're correct. Wrong. Yeah, you're correct. Yeah. But uh, I, I think Michael Thomas is, you know, Marcus Colston 2.0. Big dude, uh, can go up, get the ball. Obviously, I mean, yeah, your, your stats might look good because you're getting passes from Drew Brees, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But you still got to catch the ball. So I don't take that away from, from him. Um, you know, I just think that's just taking, taking advantage of the situation that you're in. And, and that's about it. I, I think a lot of people sleep on uh, DJ Metcalf. Uh, maybe it's because I saw him play the Eagles and absolutely destroy us multiple times in this last season. Um, but I think he's extremely talented. Uh, I don't think he gets enough love for, you know, how good of, of a player he is and how athletic he is. I would have, I would have loved the Jets to take DK Metcalf last year. He went in the second round of, to the Seahawks. So I'm not correct. The Jets. Um, I don't think they had a second round pick last year, just because of that trade with Sam Darnold. They traded their two second round picks in 2018 and then the 2019 second round pick to trade up with the Colts to pick Darnold. So I think if, if, if the Jets were in the second round selecting last year, DK Metcalf was there, I think they would have picked him. But uh, I, like you said, he's an up and coming wide receiver. I, I you know, don't hate that whatsoever, but I wanted to get to a funny Josh Allen stat here. Um, he ranked 31st out of 32 last year in off target percentage on short throws. 17% of the time he was off target on, on short throws, which not a, not a great stat if you're an NFL quarterback and, um, you know, that's where you make your money in, in the slants and the flats, tight ends or, or to running back or to, to like a slant wide receiver. And that's where Michael Thomas makes his money. So if Thomas and Allen one day team up, I'm sure Thomas would correct that weakness. But that was a funny stat I wanted to bring up because um, I don't like Josh Allen. But it's only because he's in the same division as the Jets. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Josh Allen, once again, is uh, younger than the both of us. So once again, just. We're, we're aging very quickly, but, you know, and, the, and these people are getting younger and younger before our eyes. Yeah, regardless of that, I think uh, I think Josh Allen has an absolute cannon, though. So, you know, if they can just run the ball and then set up the deep pass, they'll be all right. And I think Josh Allen will, will be all right, uh, probably above average for his career. But uh, yet yet to see if he's going to keep, you know, keep 
staying consistent year to year or if he's going to have like a flat line and then fall off. Coming out of school, where where were you on the on the 2018 quarterbacks? Did you have Allen rated higher than when he went? I think he went seventh to the Bills. Obviously, Mayfield went first, then it was Saquon, then Darner was the second quarterback taken. And then Allen was the third quarterback taken, if I'm not mistaken. And then Rosen was the fourth. Obviously, Lamar Jackson was the fifth at, at the end of the first round. But going into that 2018 draft, did you have Allen above Mayfield and Darnold, or, or did you have it a little bit reversed? So, see, I'll, I'll be honest with you, man. I, I didn't hear too, too much about Allen until it was, like, basically, you know, nights before the draft. So I didn't – I can't give him a fair shake on that. You know, that's just being honest and, and brutally honest. Uh, you know, no pun intended. I love it. But uh, – <laughs> But I, I did, in honest to God, when I, I did see Sam Darnold play a good bit of college ball, uh, you know, I turned on some USC games. Which you know, uh, man, which USC game in particular? Was it the USC-Penn State Rose Bowl game? Uh, you know, I did see that. Uh, there were a few expletives. Uh, obviously, I'm going to say this right now, James Franklin, uh, you know, not, not the best head coach in the world. Uh, you know, not a groundbreaking uh, type of mindset that he has, I don't think, because He's cost us multiple games with dumb play calling, so I'm just blasting him because I can. But, it uh, seems that this is just a wildly ta- wild take out of left field. It seems that Penn State players are more successful in the NFL than they are in college, besides Christian Hackenberg. <laughs> That's your boy. But uh, anyway, no, yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, Saquon absolutely killed it for Penn State. Uh, you know, his, his career there, it's just – it's one of those situations where I, I – James Franklin's one of those coaches where he'll he'll get you there and then you, you get to the promised land. It's like, you know, we're down 10 points and he's running the ball three straight times. It's just mind right. blow. You know what I mean? Or or he'll he'll play the game not to not to win. He'll just he'll play it not to lose and then we end up in a close game and we lose it anyway. He he's not a risk taker. That's that's one thing I can say I do like about Doug Peterson is, is he consistently takes risks and and honestly most of the time they convert it and I'm okay if you know, if we come out and lose a game because we took a risk and it just didn't pay off, I'd rather that than play like a bunch of pussies because we can't make the right play call and we just want to run the ball first and second down and then we don't get anything on third. You know, it's just it's right. extremely frustrating. And, and not to go off on a tangent, but as far as, yeah, your, your Penn State reference, that's that's where I stand with that team. And, and I've had that conversation with multiple people, and it seems like a lot of people are of this mindset that James Franklin kind of saved Penn State, and I – I really can't see eye to eye on that mindset because, yeah, he, he's made them somewhat consistent. He's one of the best recruiters, I'll say that. Uh, he seems to recruit very well. Yep. And that, that stems from when he was at Vanderbilt. But it's it's like, you know, execution is execution. You can have all the, all the talent in the world. And if you don't execute, what's it mean? You know, what, what's it add up to? Absolutely nothing. And that was talking Penn State on Aaron's soapbox. We should actually, that was actually fantastic. We should probably do that every couple months or so. I like that a lot. <laughs> Especially when college football season rolls around. No, that'll that'll be fun. I I, I still enjoy college football. I think it's uh it's a lot of madness, which I enjoy. You know, it's, it's week to week. It, it's just insane. So we'll get into we'll get into some college football stuff as the, as the as the season gets near. Hopefully, they're able to play. Hopefully, they're able to get back on campus and, and play. I, I have no doubt the SEC is going to go ahead and play regardless. It's just a, I think a matter of if the entire nation, the entire FBS buys in. But um, we'll get to some. Right. Call- for sure in the next few months let me uh, let me touch on that real quick on that 2018 uh the draft oh yeah uh, i thought i thought lamar jackson would you know wasn't gonna fall as far as he did i'll say that you know i i still i have kind of like a 
I'm not super comfortable with the running quarterbacks only because of the durability factor. That's why. Yep. That's why, like, I wouldn't have picked him. I was, like I said, I was pretty high on, on Sam Darnold. I think he can, you know, he can make every throw in the world. Just, uh, you know, can he be consistent? That was my whole thing with with him. You know, he he's got the arm talent. I would say uh, when he puts everything together. Baker Mayfield. I did watch a, a few of uh, OU's games uh, towards the end of the season. Uh, I thought. Like at times he was very very good, but then at times he, I thought he panicked a good bit at the same, you know, when I at least when I saw him play. So I was, I was kind of hesitant to to really you know go balls to the wall on Baker Mayfield, and it was kind of like in his rookie season you saw that where some games he was absolutely unstoppable, and then other games uh, his rookie year when I watched him he was he was kind of like scatterbrained and it was, looked like it was too much for him. Last season, it was, I don't, I, I honestly got it. When I watched him last season, I don't blame most of it on him. I, every time I I'd, I'd turned the TV on, he was running for his life and they didn't have any offensive line. So I'm not going to put last season on him individually. Yeah. I think Darnold and Mayfield have two of the worst situations Two two of the worst, probably, I, I guess, you know, Mayfield obviously has a much better supporting cast than Darnold does, but I just think that organization as a whole, I think he's going to be on his fourth, third or fourth head coach here. And he's been in the league for two and a half, three years. Uh, you know, I think Darnold has had consistently one of the worst supporting casts in terms of skill position players around him. And and obviously last year, I think they were ranked 31 out of 32 teams in the, in the offensive line department. And, you know, the injury stuff, the mono stuff uh, obviously hurts his stock. It doesn't help it, but I don't think he has durability issues. I just think it's a product of sort of his environment. He's still really young. He just turned 23 last week. Uh, Mayfield's still really young as well. I think he's 24. So um, hopefully those two can turn around. And I, th- I think ultimately they're a product of their organizations. Um, and, and sticking with the Sam Darnold talk here, this is this might you know be my nightmare for this evening. But New England Patriots um, picked round one, number number 23, um, and they picked Sam Darnold. Um, obviously that's frightening for me to to think of him in a Patriots jersey, to think of him in New England, but. I think it's a smart pick, great value by Mike Reese, a Patriots reporter. They picked TJ Watt in round two, Mari Cooper in round three. That's actually super fire. Darnold to Cooper would have been sick this year if they could have gotten him from, from the Cowboys. And then round four, Frank Clark. I think he, they have a number one quarterback. They have a number one wide receiver, and they have two top flight defensive linemen. I think this team's in tier one. Um, I just wish it was under a different uniform and in, in a different city. The Watt pick is – I love that pick. I think he's very underappreciated. So I love that pick. Obviously, you you pair uh, Sam Darnold with uh, an established receiver like Amari Cooper. I, I think Amari Cooper is one of those people, though. I think he needs to be in a better situation than Dallas. I just I don't know. I I know he re-signed there, but it just seemed like in that Philadelphia game there was a lot of speculation that he pulled himself out of that game. So I don't you know who knows. There's a lot of BS that goes back and forth with the media and and what have you as far as, you know, just speculation in general. Maybe he was actually hurt, but think if you put Amari Cooper on a, a top-tier NFL team, which I don't believe the Cowboys really are because they just don't produce, you know, consistently enough, I think he's an absolute stud, so that, that would wreck. Especially in a, in a Bill Belichick scheme, obviously, that's going to that's gonna work seven days a week. Apparently the Redskins wanted – they just kept upping their offer to Cooper. This, this offseason they – I think he signed for what five years, a hundred million dollars. I think the Redskins just kept upping the years, they kept upping the dollars, and then he was just like, "No, I'm good. I'm not going to play in Washington with with fucking Dwayne Haskins. I'm going to go back and actually catch some passes from Dak, which I think is hilarious." You know what's funny is Amari uh, Cooper's only 25 years old. I thought he was in the league for like. Are you 15 serious? Years. 
Yeah, just uh, no no credit to the uh, research department, obviously. None. Uh, not not really helping us out whatsoever, but uh, yeah, just just kind of pulled that up real quick. And he ran a four four two, which is obviously fast. Uh, you know, fastish. Yeah, fastish, but kind of surprising sometimes. I'll, you know, it's almost like certain people on TV. You kind of you put them on and. And one game they look like they're a track star, and then the next game they can't break away from any type of defender. And I, and I get these guys get banged up, and, and I'm not going to say I, I have any idea what they're going through from a physical standpoint, but just kind of surprising on that. But, yeah, that, that's interesting. I didn't know about the Redskins, but it does not surprise me whatsoever. The Redskins kind of – they give these guys a boatload of money, but then their careers go to, to absolute, you know, the shambles because they don't win in, in D.C., and, and they haven't for a while. But Dallas is not much better. Dallas, to me, is, is such a confusing team. Um, they allegedly have a top 15 quarterback. They have one of the best running backs in the league. Cooper is definitely a number one wide receiver. And for the past five or six years, they've had one of the best offensive lines in the league. I don't know if it's their defense or what. I, to me, they should be a perennial playoff contender. And, and, and by contender, I mean probably a perennial NFC championship type team. But um, I don't know if it's Jerry Jones, if it was – Jason Garrett, if it was the defense, if it's Dak, if it's Zeke, I don't know what it is. But if I, if, if the Jets had that roster, I would expect them to make the playoffs and probably win a playoff game or two each season. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit scared going into the season. Uh, you know, reportedly Mike McCarthy was like he kind of locked himself in his room and was just studying film for a year, probably gaining more weight. You know, no offense to Mike McCarthy, but he's not exactly <laughs> a, uh, an hour. You know, he's not exactly a uh, stick by any means uh so regardless of that though I I think Jason Garrett was was kind of you know sort of the problem obviously it stems from the from the ownership down I think it always has uh Jerry Jones has won rings before obviously so I don't think he's an absolute trash owner like some people do uh I just think he kind of he has to be the center of attention and and that's just the way it is but I am kind of fearful because Mike McCarthy was was pretty consistent in Green Bay it's not like he was I wouldn't say he's like top tier head coach but I think it's definitely an upgrade over Jason Garrett and and that roster like you said is stacked almost they've learned how to draft extremely well it's just they seem to peak in the first like eight games of the season where the Eagles don't peak till like the last eight right it always it always bites them in the ass and then the Eagles somehow you know, win the division or, or win a wild card spot. And the Dallas is either the Dallas gets in, but they don't do too much or, or they're looking on the outside from, from a playoff perspective. So it'll be more interesting this season. I think uh, Mike McCarthy, I think will will bring some type of consistency where Jason Garrett was just uh, Mr. Vanilla. Jason Garrett bounces back with the giants in the same division as the offensive coordinator. So We'll see how he does. We'll see how McCarthy does, but uh, hopefully, Dal—I mean, hopefully Dallas can shit the bed again. I think that'd be pretty funny. <laughs> um, moving to the Saints here, uh, round one, pick number twenty-four. Your boy Cleo Mack finally is off the board. Um, we've been talking about him, I think, for the past ten to fifteen picks. Great, great player. Players for the Bears. Uh, I think he had, you know, sort of an off year last year, but I don't think the Bears were good as a whole. So. I think it was more of a product of, of the team and the environment around him more than just his individual play. Um, Ryan Ramchick, um, he's an offensive tackle for the Saints, another homer pick here. He goes in round two here. Jamal Adams, my guy from the Jets, round three. That's fantastic value in round three. And then Phillip Rivers, I think the Saints are the last team to select a quarterback. They pick the 59-year-old Phillip Rivers uh, <laughs> round four here. Yeah, not terrible. 
not terrible for what they had to work with. You know, obviously you're getting later and later in this in the draft and in the first round. Um, I don't know. Is Philip Rivers enough to win a Super Bowl? Obviously, hasn't been up to this career, up to this point in in his career. But you know, uh, I like the I like the Khalil Mack pick for sure. So you take this lineup, you take Khalil Mack, you take Ryan Ramchick, you take Jamal Adams, and then you slide in a Jameis Winston. How do you think this lineup does? That's uh, that's that's interesting. Uh, I think at, maybe at this point in his career, I take Jameis Winston over Philip Rivers, which so would I. It pains me to say that because I'm a, I've always been a huge Philip Rivers guy. It's just I think he's, you know, he's on the obviously on the back half of his career, on the back nine per se. Yeah, I think it's just Jameis Winston is an absolute turnover machine. You know, that that's his specialty is like giving the defense the ball. So I don't know. It, it might be enough, you know, with Jameis. It's just you know he's going to give the ball up two or three times a game at least. Jameis Winston, um, we'll, we'll talk about him. We'll go off on a tangent here just because I want to talk about him. He's a polarizing guy, um, Heisman winner, national champion, top draft pick, and an absolute stat giant. Now he's on the bench. He's on the bench in New Orleans, the 26-year-old quarterback. He's only 26. That's actually insane. Um, doesn't plan to stay on the bench long. Came out and said it's not over for him. He said this is not over for me. He wants to be a starter again. I think he went – he kind of went the Teddy Bridgewater route, if you will. I mentioned last podcast that the Saints are an absolute quarterback factory. Um, Sean Payne's a quarterback whisperer. Drew Reese is basically like a quarterback's coach at this point in his career. So I think it was a good move. It was sort of a win-win for both for both parties there, the team and Jameis Winston, sort of low risk for both parties as well. Um, do you think when Breeze is done, whether it be after this year or next year, he can ultimately turn back into a starter and, and play effective football for that team? I think I almost think he he deserves one more shot. He has the arm, and he has as far as just the ability to throw for you know 400 yards, 350 a game. It, that's never been the question. It's is his head always there? Because you know he has gotten in trouble both in college and in the NFL. You know on a kind of consistent basis on on that front. So you kind of have concerns there. I think, like you said, it was a safe pick for both parties, and the fact that he's just going to back up. You know, Drew Brees, obviously he's not going to start this season. But maybe, maybe you give him a shot, after, you know, if, Drees, if uh, Drew Brees hangs it up after this year, you give him a shot, see how he plays through the first, like, six, eight games and then make a decision by signing him for another one- or two-year deal. I don't think you I don't think you sign him to a massive deal or anything like that, even if he comes out and lights the world on fire because at the end of the day, he's James Winston. He, he's kind of Mr. Inconsistent. And just kind of looking at his stats – in recent years, I mean, he threw for almost 50, 5,100 yards last season, which is absolutely crazy. But uh, 33 touchdowns, 30 picks. It's like, my Lord, you know. 30-30 club. 30-30 club, there you go. Not everybody gets in there. Yeah. yeah, I, you know, for, for me, I, I think, you know, Jameis Winston has all the talent in the world. I don't think he has the correct brain for football. Uh, uh, that's not a shot at him. It's more of just – Playing quarterback is the hardest position in sports. You know, maybe you could toss in a hockey goalie and make that argument. I, I definitely could make sure. that argument since I'm a hockey guy. But, I, you know, it, it's also interesting as well uh, when Bruce Arians, the first year he took over um, with, with the Colts, Andrew Luck led the league in interceptions. And the first year he took over the, uh, the Cardinals with Carson Palmer, he led the league in interceptions. And then he took over, obviously, the Bucks last year with Jameis Winston. What did he do? He led the league in interceptions in the 30-30 club, as we just said. So it, I don't know if it was more of a, a Bruce Arians thing. 
Um, obviously, if you take a look at 2017 and 2018, in 2017, Jameis Winston was 3-10. and 10, In 2018, he was 3-6. and six, So, obviously, he was a little bit hurt. And then, you know, last year, 7-9 and nine with 33 touchdowns, 30 picks, as Aaron said. So, you know, it might be a product of injuries his third and fourth year. And then, you know, a new system, a new coaching change in that fifth year might have done him in there. So, I think that Sean Payton's a much better coach than Bruce Arians. Maybe not much better, but I think he's a better coach and has proved that over 10 to 15 years. So I, I'm not I'm not completely out on Jameis Winston. I, I, I agree with you in that he should get a second chance. So whether it be with the Saints or whether he bounces back somewhere else, so maybe he can show some things in the preseason or, you know, God forbid Drew Brees gets hurt, he can come in and do his thing and, and show, like he, show that he still belongs in the league and in that starting role. But, you know, I, I have to – maybe put some of the blame on Bruce Arians and it, it, it'll actually be an interesting storyline going into the league with with Brady will his will his interceptions all you know ultimately um rise because of the the air raid system that Arians likes to play likes to move the ball downfield and Jameis Winston like you said has the talent he's mobile he's durable it reminds you a little bit of a big Ben but um just doesn't have a, the decision making ultimately to play the, the position right now effectively so hopefully he can get his mechanics and, and maybe his decision making corrected um, down south there in Louisiana and, and, you know, hopefully turn things around for himself. Yeah, I think uh, at, at times I've always thought that uh, Jameis Winston's like a an upgraded, like Jamarcus Russell, if you will, because it's like, you know, he's got all the talent in the world. Uh, he's a big dude. He can, uh, you know, basically run people over if he wants to. Kind of like a – I'll say this. He's an extremely poor man's Donovan McNabb, and that's no shot at Donovan McNabb. I just think he – I see him. I see him out there, and he kind of reminds me as far as, like, just his build and uh, his athletic ability. It's just I think Donovan McNabb was a lot – obviously a lot more consistent. I just think maybe if Jameis Winston put more time into it, and, and this is, you know, purely speculation, but, uh, you know, maybe just because I, I know he's been suspended here and there, you know, periodically in his career, if he would sit down and, and you know, if he gets the, the job of, of being a starter at some point, uh, once again, and he fully commits to it. Maybe he, he turns the corner a little bit. Um, but I think uh, time's kind of working against him. I, I know he's a younger quarterback, but it's how many more chances will you have to, to be a starter? And I think Tampa Bay kind of gave him every shot that they could have, and it just, at least for him, didn't pan out. Yeah, I don't I don't fucking blame Tampa Bay at all. I would have moved on from him as well. I, you know. Yeah. He was taken number one. I th- I think is, I mean, I think he was one. Mariota was two back in 2012, 2013. So, you know, if, if you're, you know, he's a career, what, 28 and like 42 quarterback, like coaching aside at the end of the day, you know, supporting cast aside, you got to fucking show something. So I don't blame, uh, I don't blame Tampa for getting rid of him. I just think he, he does deserve a second chance and, and I'm happy that he gets a change of scenery. So hopefully with a better coaching staff, he can do some damage, but moving on here to the, you know, number 25, we have the Minnesota Vikings. Um, shout out my girl Lizzo. They picked Tannehill, uh, 25th, and I'll read you the reasoning here, and then I'll let you go off because I think it's uh, pretty stupid. Um, Mr. Porter says, I grabbed a Tannehill, who I see as a top 15 quarterback talent. I'll repeat that. Tannehill, who I see as a top 15 quarterback talent, uh, with my first-round selection and built around him. So Tannehill goes one here for the Vikings. Devontae, Adam go- Devontae Adams goes in the second round. Eric Armstead, defensive end, goes in round three. And round four is Harrison Smith. Safety, who plays for the Vikings, another homer pick. It's becoming a theme. Do you think Tannehill is a top 15 QB talent? Don't. I think at, at times last year, he kind of, you know, had flashes of greatness. I mean, if you look at his stats, it's almost like you you want to think that because he went 22 touchdowns, six picks. That's, I mean, you'll take that any day of the week. It, it's just hard, man. I think 
to me, I think the league is, is kind of deeper in, in the from the quarterback perspective now than it's ever been as far as, you know, if you look back when, let's say, like Rex Grossman was playing for the for the Bears, Trent Dilfer was the quarterback of the Ravens when they won it all. It's like, you know, there, there's really no bad quarterbacks when, you know, when you when you get into these teams in the playoffs, these quarterbacks are elite. So to say he's top 15, I don't think he quite cracks the top 15. I think maybe top 20, but like I said, there's so many good you know, you think of the Matt Staffords, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, the list goes on and on of the guys that aren't even, you know, the top top ten. Even I'll take I'll still I'll probably still take Big Ben over Ryan Tannehill just because I, Big Ben I, I've seen him do it time and time again uh, as far as just showing up in the in the big games and Ryan Tannehill just he hasn't played in enough big games for me to right. be sold on to, for me to be sold on Ryan Tannehill. I think I think the stats are a little bit are a little bit confusing. He only played 10 games last year. He completed 70% of his passes. I do think that's deceiving as well. I think a lot of that is is checking down to whether it be, you know, Derrick Henry, Deion Lewis, or a wide receiver, maybe Delaney Walker. And then he only had 2,700 passing yards, but for 10 games, I can't really, you know, call on that. 22 touchdowns is pretty good for 10 games. And obviously six picks is pretty freaking good. So, you know, I, I think the stat sheet looks nice, but when you're actually watching a game and, and you're watching a playoff game in which he throws for 79 yards and somehow gets the win. I don't really know how you say he's a top 15 quarterback. I think he's a product of his team. Uh, I think he's a product of coaching. Um, the coaching staff down there is, is pretty good in my opinion. So uh, do I think he's a top 15 pick? No. I mean, with pick 25 here in the first round in, in this draft where I'd probably still take a quarterback at this point. I don't know if, I don't know if it'd be Tannehill, but I'd certainly take a quarterback here. So I guess I can't really fault that. Um, Tannehill with Devontae Adams would be, would be pretty cool. He's a pretty good wide receiver, in my opinion. Probably top 10, probably top five at this point. One of the best route runners in the league. And the two defensive guys here are, are pretty good on their own right as well. So I guess outside the Tannehill pick, not an overly terrible draft for the Vikings. Uh, just, I just can't see him being a top 15 quarterback at all. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I, I, like, I'm kind of happy for Ryan Tannehill. Doesn't seem like a, a bad dude by any stretch. And just I I really do kind of feel bad for anybody that goes to Miami. It just seems like it never works out. So if he's able to, to reinvent himself in Tennessee and, and kind of keep going that way, um, you know, good for, good on him because you know I just think a lot of players go to Miami to die nowadays. So you know may, maybe he can can stay consistent. Um, as far as I'm pretty sure that that division I, I'm drawing a blank on on the Titans division, but I'm pretty sure that's Saints Texans. Uh, no, well, it's uh, it's it's Titans, Texans, Jaguars, Colts, AFC South. I mean, obviously, Texans are, are usually the you know the team that that wins that division. At least it, it kind of swings. Uh, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars had a little bit of a run, but I see them kind of declining right now. The Colts are an interesting one. Obviously, Philip Rivers coming in this season. I, I that's one of the most interesting things uh, about this coming season, in my opinion, just because. You, I thought for sure Phil Rivers would retire a Charger and, and hang it up, and he just, you know, he hasn't. Kind of, kind of interesting, but yeah, I think Ryan Tannehill not quite a top fifteen uh, quarterback talent at this point, but you know, maybe if he stays consistent over a two three year span, I I put him top fifteen at some point. You know what I mean? I feel you. I feel you. I, I think yeah. The, if the Titans don't win the division, that's an absolute surprise. I don't think. You know, their challenger is obviously going to be the Colts. Uh, we'll see how Hopkins does without – or not Hopkins. We'll see how Watson does without Hopkins. But uh, I, I do think the Titans ultimately win that division. Um, you'll love this next team here, Houston Texans. 
Round one, they, they ironically picked DeAndre Hopkins. Round two, Saquon Barkley. Round three, Derek Carr, bonafide scrub. Round four, uh, Tyron Matthew. Um, I think it's a good selection, good, good slew of picks here besides Derek Carr. I don't think Derek Carr can get the ball to Saquon and get the ball to Hopkins, but I do like the picks here outside of, outside of him. Yeah, I mean, you put DeAndre Hopkins and uh, and you put Saquon in the same on the same field. That's insanely uh, interesting to think about. I'd love to see it. It's funny if you look at – I think Derek Carr is one of those guys where it's like his stats are very misleading because you look at his stats, it's like you think this guy's a stud. But, you know, what is he actually uh, – not a whole lot. He kind of kind of reminds me of like a poor man's Carson Palmer. I think Carson Palmer was better than Derek Carr, but Carson Palmer's forgotten about in his own right because no one really cares because he's never won anything. So, you know, Derek Carr just uh, just kind of, you know, above the uh, above the average – or, I'm sorry, below the even the average line, on my opinion, on my take, uh, just just hasn't really done too much. I'd, I'd take Matt Stafford over Derek Carr, you know, any day of the week. I, I agree. He's only 20, 28, which is actually pretty surprising. I feel like all these guys have been in the league for so long, and it's only been, you know, five or six years. But I, I think you have to take Stafford over – Derek Carr. Maybe Stafford went sort of before Derek Carr did. Maybe he went in round two and maybe we'll get to him in a second. But insert Stephen A. clip and that's all I have to say about that. This man was a bona fide scrub. <laughs> Next here we have the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, they went with Mike Evans in round one, Jalen Ramsey in round two, Big Ben Roethlisberger in round three, and then Demarcus Lawrence in round four. They could have picked Texans person picked Derek Carr one pick ahead of Ben Roethlisberger that makes no sense to me Mike Evans Jalen Ramsey that's a pretty good team yeah that's a, that's a pretty freaking good team especially if you're picking this late um I think going going skill position here receiver if you're not going to take a quarterback um yeah I'd probably go receiver here that's that's pretty good Ben Roethlisberger throwing to to Mike Evans would be pretty fun to watch and then Jalen Ramsey and, and DeMarcus DeMarcus Lawrence in the back end would be pretty fierce so can't really hate this one, and I you don't have you know much else to say on it. Pretty good team, nonetheless. I guess uh, the only thing I can I can really think about with these people picking you know a Derek Carr over Big Ben is just kind of the upside on on their age. Uh, obviously, Big Ben once again another quarterback on the back nine of his career, which to me I feel like his career absolutely flew by. It seems like I was just watching him you know, compete for Super Bowls not that long ago. And now it's like, he, you know, maybe two, two, people are saying two, three, three years max. I see, I see probably two years max out of Big Ben yet because he's just kind of gotten injured, unfortunately, uh, towards the back half of his career. So I get it as far as like, you know, Derek Carr over Big Ben in a five-year span, you're, you're probably benching on the, or you're, you're kind of betting on the fact that he wins one out of, out of the five years that you give him, where Big Ben might have two, three years total. But, uh, yeah, Mike Evans, absolute stud, and I'm kind of scared that he's in Tampa Bay with, with Brady. That, if Ben Roethlisberger's on the back nine of his career, Derek Carr's on the 19th hole. Yikes. Bonus Baltimore one. Ravens, round one, Matthew Stafford. We were just talking about him. He, oddly enough, goes here. Round two, Julio Jones. Round three, J.J. Watt. Round four. Stefan Diggs. I think this would be a fantastic offense with Diggs and Julio Jones. If if JJ Watt can stay healthy, I think he anchors that defense. Matt Stafford. Uh, you know, you said yesterday he's probably what 32, 33 years old. So um, if you're betting on upside for the next five years, I would expect him to sling the rock and have a guy like Julio and have another guy like Diggs. I think this would be a top five offense in my opinion. So I love these picks from Jamison Henley, Ravens reporter. I almost want to see Matt Stafford just go somewhere uh, before he calls it quits. And 
if he were to go to, to Baltimore, I mean, in real life, I don't see that happening unless something crazy would transpire with, you know, Lamar Jackson leaving or something like that. But yeah, I think under John Harbaugh, like an established consistently consistent winner as a head coach where how many coaches have gone through Detroit and now they have Matt Patricia, probably if he doesn't show, you know, uh, a winning record this year, he's he's out. Uh, even with a winning record, I don't know if they, they retain him for another couple of years. I'm not sure. Yeah, if you put Matt Stafford and you surround him with good talent, uh, not in a cancerous environment like Detroit, I think he could have tremendous success. And I, I hope to see that in the reality of the NFL. All righty, last few teams here. Tennessee Titans, round one, Tyreek Hill. Round two, Cam Newton. Round three, your guy, Fletcher Cox from Philly. Round four, Jair Alexander, cornerback. Cam Newton went before a lot of QBs that um, that still start and, and are number one starters. He went before, um, you know, a guy like Stafford, a guy like Roethlisberger, a guy like Carr. So, obviously, reporters think he can be a top a top quarterback in the league, and I do I do think that as well. I think Titans would be an interesting spot for him. Um, I think they should probably bring him in as sort of a – a backup behind behind Tannehill and, and maybe ultimately win that starting job. I think he'd be pretty good if um, his shoulder is healthy. So, and him throwing a Tyreek Hill would, would be an absolute elite, an elite combination. And Fletcher Cox and Alexander here in the back, and it would be sick. So, pretty good drafting here from from the Titans. I don't hate it. It's you know sort of dependent on on Newton's health here, but in real life, Newton would actually be a, a pretty good fit for the Titans, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that would be interesting. Obviously, you pair him with. You know, if this was real life, you you do uh, him and Derrick Henry uh, in the back in the backfield. That oh, would yeah. be cool to see. Uh, I think that's like a two-headed monster because Cam could just take off with the ball. I I don't think he has quite the speed he used to. Obviously, injuries have plagued him as well. You know, I think he has a a few good years left in the tank. Not a million, but I think he could. You know, if Ryan Tannehill can get him that you know to the championship game in the playoffs, and I'm not going to discredit him. I think he had a very good you know, season, even though it was a shortened season for him. I think Cam Newton could do big things. Uh, as far as if he stays healthy, that's always going to be the question mark going forward. But I definitely think the if the Titans were to bring him in, that would that'd be extremely interesting and that, that might actually propel them further if, if he stays healthy. Agreed, agreed. Round one, number pick, pick number 30, the Green Bay Packers select Tua Tagovailoa. Interesting, they picked him over Jordan Love, who's on the Packers in real life. Round two, David Bakhtiari, another homer pick. Round three, Darius Slay, um, Philadelphia Eagle. And round four, this guy picked a kicker. He picked Justin Tucker, which is interesting. Do you think a kicker should have been picked here? As good as, you know, Justin Tucker is probably the best uh, kicker in the league. I I don't know. That's just kind of stupid to me as far as you get four draft picks and you, you know, use one of them on a kicker. I don't, I don't see it as that valuable. You can get a guy that's, you know, pretty consistent, obviously, in this in this fantasy-type style draft selection later. And, you know, if they were to do seven rounds, you could get one in the seventh round, no, no problem. Um, or just pick up somebody that, that kicked last season and, and be half-decent for you. Uh, I disagree. Yeah, I'm, I'm not with you on – or I'm not with that guy on, on that pick. Uh, I don't really like any – you know, most of his picks there. I'm not a big fan of, to be honest with you. Uh, Tua, Tua, obviously – the walking Band-Aid, the walking emergency room, you know, made of just skin and bone. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to be about that pick whatsoever. Um, I'd probably pick Derek Carr over to at this point just because I – Derek Carr's other than one injury, he's been on the field most of his career. So I, I just don't – if a guy gets injured in college, you know, repeatedly, it's like, you know, 
how do you think he's going to stand up against these guys in the NFL that are, you know, a lot stronger, a lot quicker, and a lot more physical. So not not a big fan of, of any of those draft picks in, in reality. Wow. Coming at Rob Demosky, Packers reporters life here. San Francisco 49ers, pick number 31, George Kittle, another homer pick. Round two, Miles Garrett. Um, he should probably be in jail right now. Round three, Jameis Winston goes off the board. Round four, Grady Jarrett, defensive tackle. Um, pretty good on the defensive side of the football. Jameis Winston throwing a George Kittle would actually be pretty sick. So what do you, what do you have to say about George Kittle, Miles Garrett, Jameis Winston, and Grady Jarrett? Uh, that one's kind of interesting. I, I don't hate it. I don't think it's, you know, lighting the world on fire. Um, but I think all those players are, are at least solid. That's a better draft pick than the Packers. For, that's for certain. Uh, so, you know, not terrible, especially as you're picking later and later in the, in the first round. I agree. I think, yeah, the, the people picking at, at the end of the first round, obviously, are probably going to have a, a pretty bad quarterback. But nonetheless, here we get to the Chiefs. My breath is uh, – <laughs> Leaving me as we get to the end of this article. Uh, round one, Stephon Gilmore. That's a pretty good pick. It surprised you lasted all the way to, to number 32 here. Round two, Dalvin Cook. Round three, another running back, Nick Chubb. And then round four, Tyrod Taylor. Um, interesting here how he took two running backs. He's probably guided by the best player available mentality and philosophy. But I think he probably was a little bit su- surprised that Gilmore lasted all, all the way to 32. I think a guy like him probably should have been taken maybe in the top 20. Typical shut, stereotypical shutdown corner that you, you, anyone would love to have on their team these days. So Tyrod Taylor around four here is, is pretty good value. Um, obviously a significant drop off from Patrick Mahomes, but when you're picking at the end of the first round, um, you don't really have a good arsenal to pick from here. So Tyrod Taylor kind of makes sense in my opinion. I don't hate that those selections by any means. I'm trying to uh, – the research department didn't really leave me on a – Spun me in circles on this one. I'm trying to pull up exactly what you're looking at once again. Yeah, diagnosing that one. Who'd you say? Give me that quarterback one more time for that. Tyrod Taylor, baby. Yeah, that's why I wanted you to repeat it because that's kind of laughable at this point. But uh, I don't know. You could have came up with something a little bit better than that, I think. I don't know. That one that, that one kind of blows my mind. But, hey, you know, you're, you're kind of picking from scraps at this point. But there are a couple people that – have a little bit more upside maybe maybe an rg3 no that's a joke but hey rg rg3 said he wants to be a starter a starting quarterback one day he thinks he's going to be able to get there he kind of had a a similar quote to Jameis winston earlier earlier this week so i have i i I don't think he has a chance to get back to be in a starting role i don't think his knee is there anymore i don't think his skill level is what it used to be sort of a one hit one year wonder if you will um tyrod taylor is definitely better than than rg3 that was a joke, and unfortunately, I don't even like saying that. Uh, only because <laughs> I was a huge RG three fan. Uh, even even being on the Redskins, which is kind of strange, I, I loved watching him play. I I just never caught the love for Lamar Jackson that I did. Uh, RG, I just something about RG three when when he was in his prime, it was electric to watch. It was almost like Derrick Rose, but on the on the football field, which is kind of a weird analogy. You know, maybe you don't like get that, that one. Though. But just absolutely electric where I, I kind of watch Lamar. And not that it's not. It's just, I, I don't know. I'm not. It, RG3 was just different for me. I think I rooted for him a lot more in college than than Lamar Jackson. And, you know, it's just a damn shame. I, what that guy could have been, I, I think he could have won at least one ring if he would have kept up the, the performance that he, that he had his rookie season. And, and obviously injuries, you know, took a toll on him again. These guys just – that's why I'm not a huge uh, mobile quarterback fan because it just doesn't seem like even even like a guy like Cam Newton who's who's an absolute man child 
his entire life got ripped apart in the NFL. So that's why I, I'd rather have Patrick Mahomes over Lamar seven days a week. So final, final thoughts here on this quote-unquote story. Um, if you had to sum it up in, in a sentence or two or three or four, I'll let you go off here. But what are, you, what are your final takeaways from this piece by the NFL Nation reporters at ESPN? Uh, I think some, some of the, the reporters for sure were had their head on – their head, thinking caps screwed on tight. Sorry, I'm drawing a blank uh, as we get I, I am too. I think, I think uh, the words drawing a blank sums it up pretty well. I don't really understand why this article would have come out now when sports are actually coming back and um, a lot was happening in the NFL world and, and, and the world in general. Um, actually so this this to me seems like a week two week three quarantine article doesn't seem like a an article in, in, you know come June 10th June 11th when um, sports are coming back football is coming back training camps are gearing up here the next couple of months but um, for me I, I think a lot of the picks were, were laugh out loud funny and, and maybe some of it was quick, clickbait I guess you know for sure some of it was because you know, we took up two hours of a, of a podcast to talk about it so I'm thankful for the content for sure I think it was Interesting to say the least. And anytime you have these sort of out of the box left field articles, uh, I think it's always good to talk about since these people do cover the league on a day to day basis. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. I think, like you had said, uh, the timing's kind of interesting, but they pumped out some type of content that, that people can, like us, can have, you know, hour, hour and a half long conversations about with no issues. Uh, I just think some of these reporters, I, I don't know if all of them took it completely serious. Because, like, some of these teams would not win, you know, they'd probably win four games easily. Over the next, you know, four years, they'd win four games each year. I don't think you're winning a Super Bowl or even coming close. So, uh, obviously, you know, the deeper in the draft you get, the harder it is. But uh, some of these are just absolutely atrocious, I think. You know, it's kind of besides the point. But it's definitely interesting. And like I said, I alluded to in the last episode, it's almost like you're in a video game where you start it from the start the season from brand new and you, and you can kind of pick whoever the hell you want. And, you know, scenarios that would never be presented in real life are, are what the scenarios are. So it's it's definitely an interesting proposition. It would be kind of cool if they ever did this, like just as you know, for one season, but that would never, obviously this is all fantasy world, but fantasy world, fantasy draft. I think that's why fantasy is in the name. So we'll put this puppy to bed here and, and, and put this story to rest, but we appreciate the content, I guess, more than anything else. Um, transitioning out of, out of that NFL report. I think this podcast needs sort of a segment where I have no idea what the name would be called. I'm just sort of spitballing here out loud on the podcast, thinking out loud, if you will. We need a we need a segment title for just random one hitters, just two to three minutes, take care of a topic, pick it up, put it down, move on to the next one. I have no idea what it would be. Maybe it needs intro music, maybe it needs outro music, uh, maybe it needs an official name, but I think I do think we need something where we can just do these quick hitters because personally I suck at transitions. I'm sure the listeners have my, my, I mean, my, my transitions is basically like, all right, we're, let's move on to the next topic. I literally say the word all right in every one of my transitions. So this <laughs> is basically one long-winded one at that, um, but we'll get to some other topics here in a second. But that's just my rant about us needing a segment name for random shit to talk about. Well, I think between now and the next show, we'll, we'll have that. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll at least throw something at the wall. And, and like my man Dan says, that hopefully it sticks. I think it will stick. It's just a matter of trial and error and, and one of these different, you know, segment headers or, or segment uh, names per se will, will work. So, 
know, it's almost it's almost like it's been overdone by by other shows like you know first take, second take. You know, it's just things like that because they would they would have it just in a sequence where it was like one two three four or things like that. A lot of them aren't very creative, so you know I think we'll we'll come up with something. Yeah, we're not structured guys here. You can't put us into a box. You can't confine us to our safe space, if you will. But we're we'll let you pick, box. Aaron. We have golf, we have the PlayStation Five, and we have a little bit of baseball talk. Which one do you want to hit first? Let's do the PlayStation Five just to distract people from sports for just wow. a minute. Great Why choice. Not? Go off. Go ahead. I'll let you go. Yeah. So I, I believe these these pictures surfaced today from what. Uh, Today, you know, yeah. we're, we're talking Thursday, June, June 11th, the PlayStation five has surfaced. Don't know. You know, I'll, I'll be honest with you, man. I, I'm not one of those people that stays up playing video games and yeah, you know, doesn't talk to girls because I'm just hooked on video games. You know, you don't talk to girls anyway. You don't even need the distraction. Yeah. You know, well, if, if they're talking about getting money, I'm, I'm with it, but <laughs> regardless of that, uh, no, all jokes aside, it looks kind of cool. It looks it almost looks like they put a, a piece of paper over it and like, you know, obviously it's not a piece of paper. It's a structural plastic. I want to say that's just a, a guess. I mean, God it looks like it looks like something from Star Wars. Okay. I'm with uh, the controller. Definitely looks like Star Wars or like some Star Trek bullshit. Like a, like a stormtrooper type, like the, like the black and white stormtrooper feel. Uh, okay. This is, this is great radio since no one can actually see what we're talking about but go ahead and google an image of the playstation 5 and you'll know exactly what we mean who knows it's almost like you know if people ever see those concept cars like months before they come out they look awesome and then they come out and it's like oh it kind of looks like everything else well will the playstation 5 look this insane i'm not sure to me it doesn't look like absolutely crazy you know even even in these pictures it's it's cool it's a it's a definitely uh it's a change but you know i'll be interested to see what what it offers but once again I, i'm not a big uh, i'm not a big gamer and uh that's all i, I, I you know the, the, this isn't a video game channel and obviously that that's showing right now so this is this is definitely not a video game channel i don't play video <laughs> games much either but figured it was interesting to talk about i, I have a ps4 aaron has a ps4 as well i believe no even xbox right i do i do but nothing against PlayStation. i, I do have a soft spot in my heart for playstation always i think i was i was more in the it was such a natural transition like i feel like everyone had an xbox 360 in high school and then like like middle school high school xbox 360 and then like two or three years later everyone got a ps4 i feel like it was there was sort of a natural migration from xbox to playstation for whatever reason i personally like the controller better for playstation and it's why i ultimately switched because i was a big fan of ps2 then got the xbox and then was back to PlayStation, so that was sort of my natural progression there. But um, they didn't come out with a price for this. So what, what's your guess on how much this is going to cost people? So it's interesting. It's almost like, you know, we're still in this, you know, COVID-impacted economy. Um, you know, I think the economy is getting back. Obviously, it took a massive hit. So I, I think, you know, maybe it comes out at, at 450 I don't think – maybe, you know, sometimes I think it's going to be like a $600 – gaming system but if it if it's that maybe at first it'll be that expensive but they'll they'll roll the prices down pretty quickly uh my guess is between 450 and 600 i know it's kind of a shitty answer it's it's a wide range but uh that's where i'm at on it i might i think i might actually take the over on that i think it's gonna i think it's gonna be around 650 700 i might be a little bit high there obviously but um even (coughs) excuse me my god 
even with uh, the pandemic and, and things like that, I do think it's going to run people about probably 657. Anytime a new system comes out, you're talking graphics, you're talking features and, and things like that. I, I feel like this might come along with some like VR headset or something of, of that, maybe like a streaming service. I feel like it's got to be more than just, you know, your stereotypical gaming console, but I'm surprised we talked this long about, you know, fucking gaming system, but you know, <laughs> we can basically talk about fucking dry paint at this point. <laughs> yeah, not not much difference. Uh, I'll never really understand personally why people get absolutely hooked on video games where it's like unhealthy, but you know, more power to those people. If that helps them escape the, the real world, then it's better than doing drugs, I guess, you know? Yeah, we do we do have to play Warzone at some point, though. That's a must. We'll try and get, like, Sam Darnold or, or somebody on there to play with us. Maybe we'll get on Twitch. Probably not. Ooh. I can barely get on a podcast, much less Twitch, but <laughs> might as well put it out there. I'm, I'm down for whatever. All right, going into a little golf talk here, and then we'll get to some baseball after that. Golf is back, ladies and gentlemen. Golf has returned to our lives. I think for the first time, you know, I, I mean, you know, what, what other sports have come in? NASCAR has come back. I guess you could count that. But I would say one of the five or six major sports in, in the U.S. is, is golf, and, and they came back today in Texas. No fans, which is interesting, um, sort of a socially distant setting. Um, even even sort of announcers and commentators were separate. Jim Nance was separate from Nick Faldo and, and players were wearing mic packs and things like that, which I think sort of signals a shift in golf broadcasting in general, not, not just sort of this event because we're in a COVID sort of socially distant society. As I said, I think, you know, maybe following it, like players are wearing mic packs to me is like absolutely insane. I was watching a little bit earlier. I was watching the replay of, of the first round that, Aaron Thursday, Ricky was was Ricky Fowler was literally like walking around with a mic pack like that looked to be similar to the to the packs that Brady and, and Manning were wearing during the match. But like to me, would that not like would that not mess up your golf swing? Like I feel like that would just probably get in the way. And then also just the constant like fear of not fear, I guess, or hesitancy of knowing you're on a hot mic the entire time would probably get in my head. But I guess that's why they're mentally tough and I'm, you know, a mental midget. But Nonetheless, I think it's interesting they're mic'd up throughout the round. Yeah, I, I think uh, to to an extent, I mean, I guess th this is what they have to get used to in, in the modern day because of everything going on. You cover you cover golf a little bit better, not not a little bit, a, a lot better than I do. Uh, so I, I got to ask this question to you. Uh, were all the players, like all the major players wearing a mic pack is that is that how it was laid out yeah so i, I th like exactly i think it was more of the the major the, the the higher market marketable players i guess the higher profile players um i know some players opted out like i don't think roy mcelroy had one but brooks kept did um john rom did ricky fowler did so it was more of the the higher profile guys as i said the more the guys who were popular and probably have a little bit more of a fan following a little bit more of a social media following you know it wasn't the guys who were probably in their first or second year in, in, in on the tour. So, um, I, I mean, if you're comfortable enough, like Ricky has been on the tour for probably 10 to 15 years now and has, has done some decent things. So if you're comfortable enough, if you are confident, you can still score well and, and play decent enough with that on your, on your pants, on your back, essentially, then um, all the power to you. It's pretty freaking impressive. I can barely hit a golf ball in my backyard, much less um, on national TV with a mic pack on me. So, I just thought that was that was interesting to touch on. My, golf might be a little bit of a more, a more boring topic, a, a more bland topic for this podcast, but I love golf. I love I love to play golf more than I 
obviously love to watch golf. I'm not a, a huge fan of watching golf unless it's a major or Tiger's going on a roll. So um, I just, you know, have, I have the golf bug. I'm, I'm not very good at it, but I, I love to play it. And it's it's fun to, to pick up when you don't really have other sports to like play as you get older, as you get out of school. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a frustrating game, but uh, a game I love nonetheless. Yeah. Just to touch on that real quick and then we can, we can kind of speed it along, but definitely, definitely good that, and I think it's a positive they gave from what it sounds like you're telling me is they kind of gave the players an option to wear that. I don't think, you know, if they required that, I think that'd be kind of taken away from the game. Uh, a little bit, you know, that, that's going to have some type of impact. I don't care who you are. I mean, maybe the, the most mentally tough of, of mentally tough people can just, you know, block it out and pretend like they're just on the course regardless, you know, uh, nothing's really changed. But, yeah, I think that's – it's good in the in the fact you might get some, some coverage that you wouldn't have got, you know, otherwise. But just sports without fans is obviously just – in my in my mind, just not right. Obviously, they're doing what what's best for this country, and the with the pandemic obviously still you know going on, uh, it's it's kind of I guess you would say needed, but it's kind of interesting at least from where we, me and uh, myself and Daniel included, where where we're from. Uh, I've been in some convenience stores, and, and people aren't wearing masks, and no one's really saying anything. So, it, it's kind of interesting how, you know, I, I get it, it's a it's a larger scale event than you know, walk into a, a gas station, but at the same token, it, it's, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how everything plays out to the end of the year. Oh yeah. Uh, I think golf is trying to get some fans back maybe next month or the month after. So they might actually be the, the first pro sport that gets fans back on site, which will be interesting to, to see, of course, but last quick hit topic before we let you go off and enjoy your weekend. Um, baseball, Got to talk about Major League Baseball again. We won't bore you with the the 20, 25-minute topic here, but uh, Rob Manfred, the commissioner of Major League Baseball, took over for Bud Selig a few years ago. He came out this week and said, baseball is returning in 2020 no matter what. So whether that be uh, the MLB and the players come to a decision on their own, or he actually, interestingly enough, has the authority, commissioner has the authority to basically implement his own plan. Um, So if if we get to – July, August, and, and there still hasn't been a plan yet. He can basically implement a 40 to 50 game regular season and playoffs after that. So if you're out there wondering why baseball hasn't been back yet or worried that they weren't going to come to a plan, they weren't going to play in 2020, uh, have no fear. Rob Manfred is here and, and, and here to <laughs> put your worries to rest. It's it's interesting. I don't know if, you know, if the players and, and the uh, the owners and, and things like that don't, don't see eye to eye on these things and, and he just – you know, starts the season the way that he wants to start the season. Uh, will you see people not play? I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's definitely interesting. And we've talked about this, you know, now numerous times. It feels like at least half the podcast we've talked about, at least the MLB just not being on the same page. And, and that almost looks like it's going to keep continuing to happen until, you know, some type of resolution occurs um and and really it's not even a resolution it's just like an outcome it's this is what's going to happen and this is why because we can't see eye to eye I'm not sure I thought that was a a serious issue a month or two ago uh and it continues to be a serious issue so I don't know I I think you know they need to bend on some things as far as from a from an owner's perspective and from a player's perspective and and just meet somewhere there in the middle I don't maybe not 115 games maybe 85 games but if they play a 50 game season I just to me that's that's kind of weird it's, it's going to feel extremely short and you know almost like a half-assed situation 
Yeah, it'll be stupid, but at least we'll get baseball back. All right, folks, that's it for today's show. Aaron, as always, why don't you take us home? Yeah, as, as we get into the weekend, uh, you know, hopefully we can get some, some other topics going. Uh, hopefully something develops over the weekend as far as just, you know, something interesting. We'll try and hit on some quick topics next week. I think, you know, we'll, we'll do it a little bit differently and, and see how people like that and, and the feedback. But uh, always appreciate the listeners. I know uh, this one might have put a couple of people to sleep. If you're getting into those later draft picks, not a whole lot to, to discuss. But, you know, we're doing our best at this point, trying to dig, dig from the ground on, on topics. Take us home.